one of you is the monster. Monster? We're British, you know. Hello, I'm Chris Denton. And I'm Paul Monk. And we are... A A Very very British British Horror. horror. And we are going to be talking about some very British horror uh, in this episode, because we're talking about a a Hammer film, but a Neo-Hammer film. Which Hammer film are we talking about, Paul? Um, It's about... It's the uh, Quiet Ones, which was released last year. So it's quite recent. It was released in 2014. Yes. If you're listening in the future. Last year might not be Yes, that's true, yeah. Yeah. yeah, The Quiet Ones, um, starring Jared Harris and Sam yes. Claflin. Flynn. Uh, very famous. He is. He Actually, is. Jared Harris is is famous. Isn't so, he? so Sam Claflin. Are they? Are they? Yeah, yeah, yeah. We're obviously old <laughs> <laughs> and don't pay any attention, but uh, these people are apparently well known. And okay. it's directed by the Pogues. <laughs> Yeah. Or uh, or John Pogue, who presumably was one of the Pogues, but not the one who sang with the weird teeth. He wasn't. Yeah, no, he's not a Pogue. Yeah, the weird the guy with the weird teeth. No, he's yes, definitely Shane a McGowan. Pogue. He was, but his surname's not Pogue. I mean, no, but yeah. Anyway, so um, Paul, tell me some more about the quiet ones. Um, okay, it's based allegedly on the on true events, which is always rings alarm bells. It, it's a ghost way, story based thing. on true events. Yeah, it's based on true events. I think in the same sense that um, communion, yeah, is based on true events, and that um, I'm trying to think of a, a fire in the sky, a particular. Um, a particularly bad bad example. It's it's based on true events that that are, are, are nothing like the true events is what I'm trying to get at. Is what I was trying to think of. Um, but essentially, what happens is there's a uh, a professor who is doing an experiment um, that is seen as a little bit unethical. So I think he gets booted out of Oxford, more or less. But he's got a um, girl who presumably is in her early 20s or something. I think she's supposed to be like is she just over the age of consent? Maybe she's 17. Um, yeah, I mean, it is unethical. No, it, she has to be older than that. Why does she have to be older than that? Because it's a plot point in the film. Oh. Uh, yeah. So she, she's got to be she's got to be at least in her, her early 20s. Really? Yeah. Well, okay. did you actually watch this film, Chris? I did watch this film, but because but it was ripping off The Exorcist, I thought she was the same age as the character in The Exorcist. No. Okay, well, just for anyone who is thinking of watching this film, the we are just going to massively spoil it. So um, I'd turn off now if you want to listen to this film. Or, or perhaps just listen to this podcast. Although, to be fair, you could watch the film and not really work out what had happened. Quite clearly. So. <laughs> no, I don't, I don't think it's difficult to work out what happened. Well, I thought she was younger than you think she was. Okay, well, the, the, getting back onto it, right, right, if we're going to skip, we're kind of skipping to the end. Let's right, not, let's right not right skip to the beginning. Okay. 
Do, do, do you want me to? Well, I can explain what I'm getting on about, or we can leave it till later. Let's leave it till later. This is a cliffhanger. <laughs> it's not a cliffhanger. If you've watched the film, they tell you at the end. They tell you near the end. I have watched the film. It was great. I um. And then you can work out how old she is. Okay. Well, let's get okay. Let's so anyway, this this is a film that's set in um, 1974. So um, which is a very interesting year for a Hammer film to be set. Yeah. Why is that? Just well, because it's basically the last year that Hammer were, yeah, were active. True. If if you um you recall your Hammer history, yeah, there was a quite a, a full slate of films from '74. Yeah. Captain Kronos, Vampire Hunter, that was 1974, wasn't it? Look. Yeah, I think it was. Um, the Legend of the Seven Golden Vampires. Yeah. Yeah. That was '74, I think. I, I I believe so, and um. Then they made one further horror film, 1976's To the Devil a Daughter, yeah. and that was it until they came back um, a few okay. years ago. So, so, so this is this is I think it's quite interesting that they've decided to set that in in a retro setting. And in the very year that they died, the first incarnation of Hammer more or less died. Yeah, yeah. I don't know if uh, there's any intention there other than that they just wanted to make something that was a bit retro. Um, well, the film Dark Shadows, the Tim Burton film Dark Shadows that came out a couple of years ago, yeah, that um, that that was clearly a tribute to the, the the Hammer style of films. In fact, I think they said that Dracula AD nineteen seventy two was one of the two films that they used, they based the look of Dark Shadows on. Okay, and um, I think it. Um, Dark Shadows is it has a seventies setting as well. I seem to recall. Yeah, maybe. Um, the, the original I've not seen it. Does. So. Um, and my 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 point <laughs> is that I think some people think that that's a classic Hammer era, the early nineteen seventies and the Dracula AD nineteen seventy two look. Yeah. But it really isn't. No. I mean, there were a lot of great horror films being made at that time. Um, but not by Hammer. No. <laughs> the great era for Hammer films <laughs> is the early 50s. Oh, no, the, the, um, the late 50s. Yeah. Probably. I guess as well, the other thing as, as well is that the, the, the main, the main th- thrust of this, this, the experiment that's being done in this film, is there's a, there's a girl that has been adopted um, by this professor and he's convinced that because um, she's having these manifestations all put into to uh, uh, of of a, a, a sort of a, like a demon child or whatever called called Evie. Um, he believes that they've created this manifestation, it's this this personality that she's manifesting. And his theory is is that if he can get her to physically manifest the um the, this this possession, if you like, that it that because it's he he believes it's some sort of mental illness they can they can trap it and prevent it from going back in and cure her. And this quite how they were going to trap it, I don't know. Whether he was just going to kind of uh, crouch in a corner with a with a, a sack, and then and then as soon as it manifests, he was going to right get it and chuck the sack over the top and tie the bottom. In and well, he, I mean, he, then he, he go out and throw it in the river or something. I don't, I don't quite I don't quite get that bit but then I sort of get the impression he hasn't really thought it through either I think narratively you can see that the idea is some kind of catharsis yeah. but yeah you're right <coughs> scientifically it was it, it, it's gobbledygook it's yeah <laughs> um, and, and his, his his idea of how to provoke this um, 
this 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 yeah. event is basically by torturing her by it, playing Slade. Um, <laughs> well, loud music to keep her away. Yeah, yeah, and um, various different things like that to um, <laughs> to try to um, you know basically work her up to yeah. make her yeah. upset so that the ghost will yeah. will um, appear. So it's kind of uh, his own little Guantanamo Bay. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, strangely enough, the uh, the Oxford Dons don't like this approach to science. No. Right, and so, and yeah. so er- early in the film, he gets kicked out of his Oxford college. Yeah. And um, he, he goes with his students, a couple of his um, most loyal students, Yeah. to um, some big country manor house. As you do. As you always do in British horror yeah. films. <laughs> <laughs> what I liked about that is one of the first things they show when they all, they're, they're moving in is um, the uh, fe- other female character, the, the the blonde one who's yeah. Um, Chrissy. Yeah, she she picks up the phone and realizes that the phone isn't working. Now I, I'd sort of think that perhaps that'd be something you'd fix before you actually set up there, but. Maybe not. Well, yeah, I mean, I'm not sure. I don't remember the phone being an amazingly important plot point. Did, does the ghost ring later to give advance notice of the uh, the havoc it's going to wreak in the film's final act? Mm. Yeah. No. Um, but I think what they're trying to do is, uh, obviously, what this film does... Oh, they cut off. It's just how they cut off. Yeah. yeah. But what this film does is it, it, it uses a lot of different um, tropes and ideas from loads of different horror films. Uh, and, and um, you know, like you've got the, the big house. In fact, actually, it reminded me quite a bit initially with the experiment taking place in an old house with... with hauntings and stuff a little bit of the stone tape yes although I think the main influence for this film is the exorcist and I think maybe the confusion about her age that I'm suffering from um, is because it's clearly Reagan from the exorcist that character is clearly based on her but instead of like priests coming in to fight the demon it's scientists it, it, who are going to cure her with science I think it's quite a. Uh, well, you said it's quite an interesting approach. I think you said because, the, the because at the moment, well, around this sort of time, obviously, quite interestingly, the setting of 1974, there were quite a lot of demonic films that came out in the early 70s that were based on possession and that. And the Exorcist is what was the Exorcist 70? I want to say 72. I don't think it's as early as that. 73? Maybe 73. Yeah. But, he, but it's around that sort of time. And interestingly enough, well, at the time when this film was made, because um, apparently it was made in, in 2012 and, and wasn't released for another couple of years, but around that sort of time, there was definitely a big glut of demonic possession films. Um, and certainly things like you know, paranormal activity and that kind of thing. Because I think at its heart, this film um, doesn't really know what it is. So it's sort of it, it's a, a one one part demonic possession film, one part kind of historical sort of drama, uh, one part um, ghost story. It's a ghost I mean, story. 
and another part um, um, I've, I've lost my train of thought now um, and, and another part sort of uh, oh I can't remember what I was saying now just completely lost my train of thought <laughs> but it doesn't know what it's meant to be ah one part found footage film it, it is because it does a lot of that it does so oh, getting back to the setup oh, the, obviously influenced by paranormal activity yeah the, 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 so, the so getting back getting back to the the um the sort of setup the, the setup is is that he this this professor has these two students that are helping him and 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 who who believe in his experiment and everything and they've also invited in a, a guy called brian who is um he's 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 not a student but he's someone who who's been brought in to document it via film um, so of course he has a very clunky sort of uh, film camera which he carries around a lot of the time, uh, and he he's he's our sort of entry point in, into it really. He's a he's sort of like the outsider, and our sort of entry point into this this experiment. And as I mentioned earlier, um, Brian is played by uh, Sam Claflin, who yeah. obviously you or I didn't recognise, but. Whom's actually some guy from Hunger Games? Oh, okay. Oh, yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. Fair enough. <laughs> um, and who, who, who's who, perfectly good in a thankless role? Yeah. Because this film, <coughs> <coughs> uniquely, I think, for the Neo Hammer films, mm. follows the old-fashioned. Um, set up of having a juvenile lead, Brian's the juvenile lead, yeah. but also having like this uh, authority professor figure, yeah. Professor Copeland. Sort like, of Baron Frankenstein type thing almost. Yeah. Jared, Jared, well, he very much so because he's a misguided scientist, yeah. isn't he, Jared Harris? He's, he's doing really, really questionable things. Yeah. Um, and he's doing them for science. And But he has another motivation as well. Um, but he's also, he, he's coming across and he yeah. presents himself as basically being a crusader for knowledge. And, and, and yeah, and but a bit twatty as well. Well, but very charismatic. Just, just yeah, yeah, yeah. So, so you, you've got a, a guy. Twatish way. You've got a guy who you do not know if he's Van Helsing or Frankenstein. Yeah, yeah. And 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 to give him credit, I think I think that part sort of played very well. I think it's it's acted very well. And yes, um, Jared Harris, obviously a very talented. Actor, yeah. uh, he was um, for several years in Mad Men. I don't think he was. He he actually was. Was he? <laughs> yes, he was. I know <laughs> he was in Fringe. No, <laughs> uh, oh, I I know he was in Mad Men. My, my wife watches Mad Men. All right, I'm just looking it up now because I don't believe you. He was also Moriarty in um, the Robert Downey Jr. Sherlock Holmes. Ah, okay. Well, well interesting it, enough, he's in the remake of Poltergeist. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Which is almost exactly the same thing, just the girl's a bit younger. Yeah, and Box Trolls, is not that? Yes, Box Trolls is brilliant. Is it good? It's really good. Oh, yes, he was in Mad Men, you're right. I know I'm right. I do not give false well, information to my listeners. That's That's interesting, because this film has a lot of smoking in it. In the same way that Mad Men does. It, it was a knowing tribute. Uh, yeah. yeah. Perhaps it was. Oh my god, they're remaking The Man from Uncle, apparently. He's going to be in that. Sorry, anyway. 
not only is he going to be in it, but Hugh Grant is um, the controller, whatever his name is. Oh, okay. Yeah, I can't remember. Mr. something? Huxley? No? No, it's something like that. I can't remember. Oh, damn it. I did know you got half an hour ago. <laughs> uh, okay. Uh, anyway, back to the quiet ones. Yeah. Uh, I think the the other cast members of note, Erin Richards as Chrissy. She's yeah. and she's made up to look like Yuta Stensgard. As far as I'm concerned, <laughs> she is anyway. She She does yes, no <laughs> you, yeah. You you're probably right. She does have that, that seventies uh, hammer starlet type um yeah, look about her. Yeah, I mean really well captured. Yeah. Um I think is it Olivia Cook who plays Yeah. What's her name? Jane Harper. Yeah. She's really good. She's all I mean Yeah. She's obviously very disturbed. Um very disturbed young 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 woman. But um also also quite nice and so obviously yeah. Brian yeah. Uh, falls kind of. for her. Which makes yeah. you think well maybe she she is a bit older, but then then when you said before that she got um, Mr. Waverley, yes. <laughs> that that she got adopted by Professor Copeland. I think well, adopted. You don't adopt adults. <laughs> so no, but then you don't quite know how long. It's, it's not. I don't think it's ever mentioned how how long he she's been with him. It's not. But we do know from the the uh, the south from the film that that. Um, She's not the first subject of his experiments no. because he shows a little cine film yeah. in the lecture, basically the first scene of this film, um, and then we see a, a boy called um, David Q who's been similarly afflicted yeah. by manifestations and whom um, uh, his treatment unfortunately was uh, interrupted, and uh, so so he was never he was never able to complete mm. the cure with David Q, but he's determined for he's determined to um, to cure Jane Harper, come yep. what may. Yeah. But what comes? What comes, Paul? What comes? Well, it all starts to go a, a little bit, a little bit pear-shaped in that. As you would expect in yes, a horror film. As you'd expect in, in a horror film. Well, the, the the manifestations, it becomes increasingly clear that, that, that they're part of um, some sort of possession or demonic possession type thing, and that that actually is, is genuine, and it sort of seems there's, there's a point where the, the film kind of flips, whereas at the beginning it's all very controlled and it's all part of an experiment, and everyone's very sure of themselves, and then there's then there's a point in the film where it kind of flips round, and gradually that 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 changes, veers towards um, the more believing it's all genuine possession, apart from um, Copeland who who insists that. It's still so science right into the end, but he he then ends up looking slightly more deranged and, and unreasonable, whereas at the start he's he's quite the sort of more reasonable one. Well, he's just certain that he can cure this, and that yeah. he's un- he, he understands he, it, and he's basically wrong. Yeah, but he, but he won't accept that he's wrong, and he keeps and, and he he comes across quite sort of um, although he's obsessed. Not, he's not right. far, wrong. and there's a reason for it as well. He, he's not far wrong though, is he? Because some of the things he thinks, like yeah. um, he thinks that this doll um, 
Evie's something from her past, and she's just like, no, it's nothing to do with my no. past. And then it's no. a, and then um, then there's a. This is a really convenient scene where Brian just pops into the British Library to look up a tattoo or something. Yeah, it's appeared a sigil that's appeared on. Uh, yeah. yeah. And 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 he's pretty bloody good at researching because it takes him about ten minutes to find that symbol, <laughs> and then to find out that the symbol was associated with some death cult. That, um, yeah. That about however many you'll tell me exactly how many years previously, but well, um, I, I can't remember because um, I, I I did write it down, but I, I stupidly left my notes somewhere, so I don't have the exact date. But um, you you almost alluded then to the to the, to the what the actually happens with Jane Harper and, and well, this, who she actually is. This death cult was surrounded by this, around this young girl yeah. whom they believed could consort with devils or something yeah, or like demons. that. demons. Yeah. Or, or could, it was, it was a sort of like reincarnation of an ancient demon or something. Oh yeah, 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 something like that. Yeah. But um, in the end, they, David Koresh style all killed themselves. Yeah. And then, then it says... Well, the house burns down. And, and they're all inside it. And yeah. The, the, the girl it's sort of implied that they killed themselves. The, but the girl and the, the cultists are all killed, and it's, it, and, and, uh, and Brian girls, finds out the girl's called the girl's Evie. Name is, yeah. Evie, yeah, which is the name of the doll. Ooh, freaky. Yeah, but, but, yeah. So um, um, I think that this convinces Brian that basically, ah, uh, this is all like demons. And <laughs> what yeah. am I messing around with here? Yeah, exactly. Um, but. Um, I think Professor Copeland basically says, uh, "No, well, she must have like read about it in a newspaper or something." Really, yeah, or ugly. her parents must have read it out to her when she was when she was young. something really ridiculously unconvincing. Yeah. <laughs> but um, actually, he isn't wrong because because no. Jane does know all about it because she is really Evie. That's it. Yes. <laughs> so that is why. So <laughs> what what they explain is that that happened in the 1950s and I've got 1954 in my head for some reason but I could be wrong. Okay. About that. And she was four at the time that that happened. So she must be 24. So she's got to be, yeah, so she's got to be, yeah, she's got to be in her 20s. Or if it was later in, in, in the 50s, she's got to be around the age of 20. Well, okay, yeah, and, and that more explains the because if she was like 15, the whole romantic interest in Brian thing would yeah. be a bit like yeah. wrong. But the problem, the problem is, because because it's the Exorcist to some degree. I just <coughs> think I just think she's the same age as the girl in the Exorcist, who she looks very much like anyway. See, I didn't really think that. I didn't even like the Exorcist. <laughs> it's it's just so culturally ingrained. I just thought this is the Exorcist. <laughs> well, in fact, there is a there is a bit that um. To be honest, it's, it's quite, it's quite. I th when it first, when I first started watching this film, I, I was kind of quite interested in what was happening and, and the experiment and how it went went on. Um, and then there was one scene which absolutely took me completely out of everything, made me laugh because it was quite funny, and I don't think it was intentionally meant to be funny. Um, and it's the scene where. Um, Jane is having some sort of uh, manifestation thing or she's having some sort of fit, demonic fit. Yeah. And they dr drag her away and you see this again through the film camera. So again, a bit of found footage type sort of stuff or yeah. you know, that kind of thing because Brian's filming it. And there's a bit where she, she's, she's thrashing and screaming around and she leans back and this strange kind of rubbishy CGI Bob sort it. of vomity tongue sort of 
goo, oh, goo yeah, yeah, comes yeah, yeah, out yeah, yeah, yeah. like a, like it's like a sort of Wait, like it's like an in, I, I thought it looked a bit like sort of an intestine or something. Yeah. It's kind of like comes out towards the camera and goes blah, blah. and then the, the other guy the other guy who's the student that's helping Copeland says something like freaking hell that's some some exorcist shit <laughs> and it was just <laughs> the whole scene was just so ridiculous it's like for god's sake you've just seen something really horrific and and they're all being very kind of jokey about it and i was just i just thought no this is it actually visually is quite effective but it's, it's obviously it, did, it's it wasn't though but it just it, it, it was too cgi and yeah but it was cgi it through a cine camera which looked kind of okay yeah i, I guess so i guess that kind of hit it a bit but it just it just took me out of it completely it just because I think it was building up a, a reasonably nice, if slow, atmosphere at that point. And it just destroyed it all in that moment for me. But again, that's sort of like, it's making an obvious statement that this is some exorcist shit. Yeah. I might get a naughty rating because I've said that word twice now. But it was, um, but yeah, it, it, for me, it just, it, it just made me laugh. <laughs> yeah. Um, you're right, of course. That the, the kind of creepy—if it wanted to be a creepy ghost story, it couldn't do things like that. No. And yet, it doesn't quite work as a creepy ghost story because it doesn't quite. There's, there's no real ghost, is there? No, but not, it Evie isn't a ghost. No, because she's, she's there. But <laughs> and yeah. Um, Well, yeah, I'm trying to think if there's any much more to say really about this. Um, well, let's go on to the ending. Okay, so yeah, the ending. So what happens at the end is Evie, not Evie, um, Chrissy Chris and her boyfriend yeah. Harry get killed. Yeah, so there's, there's a point e where they leave the experiment, but then they they end up coming back again um, because they they. They well, try to leave, and she's in attacked room. in her room um, in the bath. Yeah, um, which is kind of a, a oh, yeah, that's a weird. It, scene. It's an excuse to just um, show her leaping out in the bath and be a little bit naked, isn't it? I, I, was she even naked in that scene? Yeah, I thought it was all. Anyway, um, <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's obviously it, this Julia Roberts sleeping with the enemy, yeah. and yeah. There's, there's there's lots of other films with women. In the bath, but not safe. So it's not really original, and no. it's completely like because he's not even. It's got nothing even to do with. There, the film. Interesting enough, there are two bath scenes. What lies beneath it? isn't it as well? Isn't it, Michelle? Is there a are you, are you have you uncovered a whole kind of woman in peril in a bath? Um, well, I'm saying it's a films. very familiar cinematic thing. I mean, when you say this, is, <laughs> you said this. Well, it already this film is twice. full of cinematic tropes, yeah. isn't it? So, so, um, but earlier on, there's there's also a scene where where Jane is in the bath as well. So there's there's two seat scenes with with women in the bath, and both of them in both the baths, I, I notice have have that weird that little bath tray thing. I don't know if you ever had one that went across the bath and oh, you put your yeah. soap and well, my flannel and everything. My yeah. And then you get really annoyed when you'd accidentally knock it and it would fall, everything would fall in. <laughs> but yeah, I quite like that. But I like the fact they, 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 they both baths had them. What's the 70s? Yeah. That was, that was a nice little detail. 
Did that save the film for you? No. We'll get on to that a bit later. Um, so anyway, we're still at the end, aren't we? We're talking about how it all ends. So um, they, 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 so because um, Chrissy is attacked, the two students head back to the house to just say, look, we, we, it's terrible. It's a like horrible thing that's following us. And if it was just, um, if it was just a manifestation of her. Um, wouldn't be able to do that. Yeah, you, you wouldn't you wouldn't be able to do that. Um, and Copeland says, no, no, it's complete rubbish. Blah 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 blah. Um, and then there's the point at which um, Jane comes across. Is, am I getting this right? At this point, she comes across the cine film of the little boy from earlier. Oh yes, and and then it works out that he's actually Copeland's son, and and, and he yeah he didn't go away yeah. to live happily with his mother. He actually no. he actually died in a mental asylum. Yeah, so and Copeland couldn't save him, so he's no. he's been obsessed with saving Jane. Yeah, so then she realizes that and realizes that she's not likely to be saved by him, and um, then then yeah. then there's all the the revelation about who she really is. And then that causes her to basically go a bit um, crazy in the whole manifestation thing. And she manages to fling Chrissy through a window or something in and out into another room upstairs or something. It's really... um, Yeah, she she, she just lifts up. Yeah, or something. It's like... Telekinetically lifts up, Chrissy throws her around and then... Um, <coughs> but she ends up in a, Harry, a Harry locked gets, room, and yeah, he goes to try and he's banging madly on the door, trying to get going. And, and there's her. some kind of like, like a hatch, a viewing hatch, isn't there? Yeah. And he puts his arm through, and and he, he's actually killed that way, isn't he? I think so, but then it, I, it's it's not clear what happens because Brian is trying to pull him away, yeah. and, and it looks at some point like Brian accidentally kind of in the struggle slams him against the door and kills him. But yeah, I'm not entirely sure. So anyway, they both end up dead. Um, so it's just Brian Copeland and <coughs> Jane yeah. Sasha in the house. Yeah. And um, we're building towards a crescendo. Yeah. But then. Um, well, we have missed out the really weird scene with the with the 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 adrenaline. But I don't know, I don't know if that's really relevant. But anyway, yeah, so we're building to the. Hang on, no, was there a really weird scene? Yeah, there's a bit where he's 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 um, <coughs> Copeland's got. It's after it's after the bit with with Harry and that, and then before she finds the the um, film, where Copeland comes up and knocks uh, Brian out, and then ties him up, and then Jane's strapped to a table and up to an ECG machine and he's got a that's, isn't that the very end I thought that's the very end is that the very end yeah yeah, yeah because yeah that's yeah the, no yeah, yeah. 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 <coughs> <coughs> okay yeah so I knew about this yeah no, that's alright um, um, yeah because um, Copeland's final plan was yeah once he's seen um, that his two students have been killed and he's basically ruined anyway yeah but he, he was like I can definitely kill her Jane all I need to do is kill her kill her and, and bring her back yeah yeah <laughs> Yeah, um, obviously Brian doesn't really go along with this, so that's no. why Brian has to be tied up. And, yeah. Um, but somehow he um, he manages to struggle free and s- does he? And he stops Copeland, doesn't he? And he does, Copeland yeah. until yeah. until Evie wakes up and 
Yeah. And um, well, then he injects the adrenaline in to wake her up and smacks her. Oh on yeah. the chest in, in that CPR way. That oh no, because because uh, Brian Brian actually kills Copeland, doesn't he? So, yeah. 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 And then it ends with. Um, Evie's chucking yeah, Brian out of the room. Chucking Brian out of the room and then basically setting fire to everything in herself. Which, of course, is the classic way yeah. the, the big country house going up in yeah, flames so is how it. a hammer film should end. Yeah, except they don't show, show you that. No, but. <laughs> and then, probably couldn't then, afford to do it. But no, that was and, then, <laughs> and, then it and then it cuts to, um, in my opinion, a really awful scene. Um, actually, no, there's an, interesting, there's an interesting little weird. Um, weird bit where where the bit where Brian is locked out of the room and he and he's he's watching Jane stroke Evie set fire to herself and then there's like this 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 really crappy jump scare of like this sort of burnt zombie thingy that just kind of lurches towards the door and goes um which is again seen through the, his cine camera, which he doesn't have at that time, which I think is weird. That is weird. Um, but anyway, right to the end, it cuts to him being, uh, like you said, in a police. Um, well, he's 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 clearly in some sort of hospital facility, but he's being interviewed by presumably police officers. We don't see because it's a, it's it's taped from. And then they're saying, look, all, all the people are dead. Yeah. Why did you kill them? Yeah. And he's like, it wasn't me, it was the ghost or something like that. Yeah. They were like, yeah, no, it was actually you, wasn't it? And then he goes, yeah, yeah if you, whatever you say. Yeah. And then, and then he starts sort of laughing to himself and then and manifesting. Then comes out of his hand. Which is something we've seen Evie do yeah. before. And then so. he does the clapping thing. So, so, so. Which he's been doing throughout anyway, as a sort of clappable thing. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. So it's basically like he's been possessed by the thing that had Evie. Yeah. And that's and that's the end. Um, and uh, well, that's that's the other thing actually. Just a bit that, that's probably not accurate in terms of um, the time period. Was he's going around doing the um, doing the, the clapping thing like a clapperboard yeah. thing? But at no point does he ever seem to have any sound recording equipment. He always <laughs> has the camera. So at that point, both would have been recorded separately. So that's that's a huge error. Yeah, but it's the kind of thing people don't really care about. I know. It's, I know it's of course, he doesn't like have any sound recording equipment because there'd have to be a sound recordist character then, wouldn't there? Yeah. <laughs> or it would, it would be <coughs> very awkward. <laughs> yeah, he'd be trying to kind of do both. <laughs> but yeah, but that kind of makes his little trademark clapperboard clap thing that he does throughout the film a bit pointless. Mm. Which, um, yeah maybe sums up this film for me well like you say that it's just it's just an excuse for the found footage element because it's popular it is because that, yeah. but, but I think that's I think that it, it, I don't know that that really helps the film well, it's a good excuse it's a good way of doing it not a good way but it's the way they do it to, to get a few jump scares but well, so I, I don't it, I don't it, mind but I think found footage can, can, can be fine I, well, like, I don't have a problem with it but it's just that it's just this film's a bit schizophrenic in what it's trying to be. Because it's not entirely found. I mean, the, the, no. the ones that are really successful are entirely found footage. They're, they're yeah. like, this is just found footage. Like um, Cloverfield and Blair Witch yeah. and Paranormal Activity. Yeah. Uh, I even like to follow 18. Um, they're all, they're all um, 
hundred percent found footage, not like the odd shot. Yeah. I mean, <clears throat> but I can see why they did it. What? But it was, yeah, it was. It's just not committing enough to any particular way. Because this could easily have been entirely a found footage. Yeah. Film, or you know, it could have been with a bit of a change. It could have been a ghost story, yeah. or or with a yeah. bit of a change. It could have could been. Have been a, it could have been All a proper out. demonic possession. Horror, yeah. yeah. But, cause but it's none of them. But we've been, <clears throat> Hammer have been here before, because 1974, they they completely lost touch. They did not understand The Exorcist, which was 1973. Yeah. They, they did not... I mean, and there are other kinds of horror films which they did not understand. Not of the Living Dead. Yeah. Um, and so they, they've just completely lost touch. And, and Hammer here have gone back to 1974 yeah. and done the same thing again. Yeah. Just tried to apply kind of rules from earlier horror yeah. films to something which just doesn't yeah. work. In yeah, exactly. There's definitely a lot of looking back and trading on past glories, if you like. And, and, and at the box office, this film was a spectacular flop. Yeah. As indeed have most of the Neo Hammer films been. Yeah. Um, but well, you know, did, did Woman in Black do do all right though? Or was that? No, the Woman in Black was a big hit. Yeah. But, exactly. Um, the the resident didn't even come out in the US in the cinema went straight yeah. to TV I think um, the Let Me In was a big flop because yeah. um, I think that was quite expensive it's really good it was just people didn't want to watch it um, so then the Woman in Black was was a hit yeah. so they were, they were good for a, a get again until they did the quiet ones it was bad flop. And then Woman yeah. Black Two, Angel of Death, which um, which I have seen, and maybe we'll talk about one one day, but actually did considerably better than the quiet ones. Okay. Yeah. So Hammer might not be completely dead, but they really they the Woman in Black, which we talked about in yeah. a previous podcast, I think was what a new version of Hammer should be doing. Yeah. British subject matter, gothic horror, ghost yeah. story, creepy, you know, making it scary, scary, not just yeah. like trying to make fifties horror films for today's audience, but um, Sticking with the kind of um, what people see, recognise as a ha- Hammer film. The, 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 the Quiet Ones is what people didn't like the first time. It's just like, it was never, Hammer films were never like this. The Exorcist yeah. was like this. That's a, that American horror film. No, no. no. It's a wrong, it was, it was a bad choice. It's just a shame because, you know, I like um, Jared Harris and I think he's really good. And I think there are some things in it that really work. And yeah. His character actually reminds me a bit of the main character in Ghost Stories, that stage play yeah. that we've both yes, seen. Yeah. The stage play um, by <coughs> the, the, um, the the guy from the League of Gentlemen, Jeremy Dyson and Andy Nyman, who wasn't in the League of Gentlemen. No, um, but it's obviously a friend of Jeremy Dyson's. But it was a really good kind of uh, portmanteau ghost yeah. story with, with with the linking thing with the uh, the professor, and it was wasn't dissimilar. And if they just bought the rights and made a film with ghost stories with Jared Harris yeah. playing that character, the same kind of character, would have been excellent. Yeah. <laughs> or, or, yeah, or even <laughs> just done a different sort of portmanteau type thing. Because then, then you would have a bit more of an excuse for having the, the different styles. Yeah. Because yeah. there'd be different stories that feed into the overall his overall experiment. Another thing that frustrates me about the new Hammer is that for the for the woman in black, 
Woman Black one. They got a proper star, Daniel Radcliffe. And yeah. A load of money based on it's his first adult role. Yeah. Very clever casting. Yeah. There are other films. The casting's been suicidal. It really has. It's been like that. Who don't people want to see? Yeah. Well, we'll get them in the film then. And and they fact, I mean, the old Hammer made this mistake with their very last film, 1979, Lady Vanishes. Like Lady Vanishes, that's yeah. good. Oh yeah, everyone remembers Hitchcock. That's good. Yeah. Um, who should we get in it? Sybil Shepherd and Elliot Gould. Yeah. Wait a minute. <laughs> Everyone hates them. <laughs> they, 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 basically, they were two American stars who yeah. weren't popular enough to be in American films anymore. Um, and that was a disaster. That was a casting disaster. And um, here, I mean, uh, Jared Harris, yeah. very good actor, but not a star. People don't no. go to see Jared Harris films. I I think that it, it could... And they could have got a name. It could have done with Starry in, in, in that role. Ca- casting, you know. Yeah. If um, it'd be Michael Fassbender... This could have been a hundred. This could have grossed to hundred million. They probably couldn't afford him. Well, of course they couldn't afford him. But then, no. the, the only reason they could afford Daniel Radcliffe was that he needed them. Yeah. As much yeah. as they needed him, but um, <laughs> you know, it, it it did need, and it could have been a slightly older actor. It could have been a um, so, someone who had been very famous. Roger Moore. Who Roger Moore? Maybe not as old <laughs> as Roger Moore. But then, the last podcast we did, the the Omen. Yeah. The star of that was Gregory Peck, obviously by the time of the Omen. Yeah. It was well yeah. past his heyday, but yeah. it was still Gregory Peck. So, yeah. And it was a massive, massive hit. Um, so it was just not well cast enough. And then, no. But I think the, the Resident and Let Me In both have... like oh, the, the Resident, I don't ever watch it. I'm not sure. Because it's got Christopher Lee, like third build. Do you think Christopher Lee, yeah. Hammer, it's all, it's back, the magic's <laughs> back. And it's just like, no, no, this is a rubbish ripoff of Pacific Heights with Christopher Lee in like three scenes. <laughs> it's the only significant, um, the only significant fact about Christopher Lee in The Resident is that he hurt himself <laughs> on the set. And um, I don't think he, he had to pull out of the wicker, the wicker tree. Yeah. Um, because he's done that, and, I, and I'm not sure he's ever been right since. I think yeah. he's had kind kind of issues. So the, the the resident is kind of Christopher Lee's last big yeah. kind of major role because he I don't think he can I think he said he, he could do a couple of days, but that's about it now in, in the film. And it's like, but this is oh, and, it was, and it was set in New Mexico, yeah. which is lo- the very last place a Hammer film should be set, the very last place. And um, I'm afraid. The quiet ones, they've done it again. The yeah. reverse magic. And if you look, I mean, I think the the guy who, um, Simon Oakes, I think is the, the, the kind of front man for Newhammer. He's kind of the uh, Jimmy Carreras of our time. Yeah. Um, and he's talking about maybe doing an abominable snowman reboot. But it's just like, no, you're going to get it completely, yeah. completely wrong. And also... That, 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 I, bet, I bet you he doesn't understand one good thing about the Snowman, which yeah. was set in the Himalayas and filmed in Bray. He can't do that. He can't do that kind of thing. It's just no. not going to work. Um, so I don't know. <sighs> That's a bit of a rant, but a rant. rant. A rant? But rant? Rant? Or, it's rant. 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 Yeah, but I'm posher, so rant. Rant. What? Anyway, should we ask our three questions, or do you have anything else to say? 
Um, I've, all I was just going to do is that, uh, just out of interest, um, talk about the fact that, that, that this is supposedly based on true events. Now, it, it is very, very loosely based on it, but just in case anyone was wondering, it was based on an experiment uh, done in 1972 by a parapsychologist and um, I think a psychologist and uh, in Canada and it was a small group of people who, who the, the, the idea of the experiment was to get come up with a fictional character which they chose somebody called um, Philip Ellsford who was um, alive he was a soldier in, in this, the, the English Civil War and the idea was they built this whole history around him and then the idea was to see if they could manifest this character via the medium of seance um, and apparently uh, to begin with nothing much happened but then they started getting uh, things move and uh, allegedly and get in contact but predictably apparently he, he would only be, he'd be able to answer accurate um, qu accurately questions that were based on his own personal history but not anything outside of that but but he got a lot of stick basically for for them effectively changing the rules and the experiment was it didn't really have any controls and ambiguous stuff well i mean uh, I, I, so I, yeah i didn't really pay any attention because it's blatantly this film is blatantly yeah. not based on a true story no. but i did read i think briefly when I, I looked at it that um surprisingly enough none of the reported paranormal phenomena were actually captured on footage no so they weren't recorded on audio no, no, or exactly video. so it's like almost as if they never happened yeah so yeah, so apparently the the the, the, the psychologist, a guy called um, Joel Witten, concluded that the the effects were produced by the participants as a subconscious defence mechanism, causing their behaviour to regress to a childlike mentality, which is, I guess, that quote has has kind of perhaps the childlike mentality has kind of sparked the idea of the what what is a childlike mentality was linked because she, it all happened when she was a child kind of thing so clearly they've kind of got bits of this and gone off at a tangent which is just another major major mistake classic hammer based on great yeah british literature yeah not based on some ropey lie well again or like you said the, the woman in black based on, on a, a book yeah not, not just some nonsense come up with from a hokey old experiment which didn't really show anything and Dracula, Frankenstein, Woman in Black, um, how it had a long history and a heritage of giving us like stuff that's properly written and thoughtful and not stuff that purports to be true when it blatantly isn't. Yeah. Um, although, I'll end on a positive note. The brilliant Coen Brothers film Fargo was allegedly based on the true story, but there was no such story. They just thought, they just thought they, yeah, they, exactly. They just put based on the true story uh, on the poster because they thought it went with the naturalistic yeah. um, approach they were taking. It's a brilliant, brilliant film. So, you know, it doesn't have to be a complete nonsense to put based on a true story on a, yeah. such a film. Alas, in this case, maybe it is. Um, three questions. Did, did you like it? 
sort of. I, I didn't actually hate it. No. I, I didn't. I didn't hate it either. I there were moments where I was. I don't like the ending. It, like you, I feel like it's. It's the ending's like too much of a kind of. It's 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 an obvious kind of cheap thing to do at the end. Uh, it's a kind of it's a kind of twist that I was writing in stories that I was producing for for my GCSE English language well thing. So you know, it's, it's that kind of people don't like cheesy. That. People don't like that. So in um, modern <coughs> ghost stories like the Sixth Sense and the yeah. others, um, what, what, what you try and get is kind of a happy ending. Yeah. where so, so everyone dies, but all their issues are resolved kind of thing. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But, but you, don't, you don't get, like, you don't get something that's dramatically satisfying. I mean, those things, I don't like, uh, those kind of work dramatically, but they kind of, they don't make any sense narratively. But, um, um or logically, because everyone being dead can't really be that great a thing. But um, this, where everyone's dead and it's just horrible, is kind of like uh, deflating, and you kind yeah. of want some, some, something redeeming, some kind of salvation, something, yeah. something positive to take away from it. So you just end up feeling disappointed when there's nothing, or at least I, I think I do, and I think that's why if you watch, like, I'll say the Sixth Sense because everybody knows. Okay, so. Yeah. Um, Bruce Willis has been dead the whole time. What? But you know, it's all right because he saw his, his issues are resolved yeah, and he's happy yeah. now. And uh, Hayley Joelsman solved his problem. Yeah. And Hayley Joelsman's happy because he's dealt with the fact he can help ghosts. Because yeah, because he's a, a robot boy that was. Uh, uh, yeah, exactly. Created by aliens that were evolved from humans or something. And he has to pay it forward. Little robotic teddy bear. That's it. I haven't even seen AI or pay it for this. <laughs> I'm never watching AI. No. Um, anyway. Anyway. Right. What's the second question? So, the second question, uh, I guess, is 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 does it's normally the, does it hold up today? No, the the, the standards of 2014 <laughs> are just ridiculously antiquated by by today in our <coughs> modern era. We would never. Yeah. What's yeah, ridiculous? <laughs> Yeah, um, I think it, yeah. So that it's, yeah, it's a, yeah. No, it does, but it, I think I think it captures the, the seventies setting reasonably well without overegging it. Because hmm. obviously, when you get in a seventies setting, I mean, there's a bit of hot pants action going on in there, and and, and uh, you know, some of the songs are a bit the Slade, obvious Slade, yeah. But but you know they 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 don't kind of they don't overegg it do they they don't make it so I think I think yeah no I think it does uh, the third question is is it scary no not really no see I think this is I think that's part of the problem is that it doesn't really work as a horror film because I think they don't really know what they want want it to be so it's more of a kind of uh, supernatural like mystery a, yeah it's, yeah it's almost like a, some sort of period drama yeah. So I mean, certainly the beginning bit is a lot more drama esque than and the horror mis- film. The mystery element would work a lot better if it was slightly harder yeah. for for the investigation to discover the real, yeah. like the James' <sighs> real history and stuff. And they never really explain what's going on. She just everyone no. just dies. No. Yeah. Exactly. So yeah. 
I don't think M.I. James would have let it go. I mean, M.I. James would well, happily no, have killed he, everyone, but he would have explained why they were dead. He doesn't always explain everything, though, does he? Well, no, Not but always. So, uh, ambiguity is can be very effective, but just pissing people off. Oh, that's another swear word. I mean, it probably would just, have been just upsetting people by um, um, not giving them information they want is a different thing. It would have been some hairy spider type demon, wouldn't it, or a sheet? If it was him. But that certainly, that certainly is very possible. We love M.I. James. I'm just, I'm just making fun. I do love M.I. James. Um, so uh, okay. the last question. Let me ask it. Did you like it? Yeah, I didn't answer that, did I? Because, um, no, uh, yes, I did, no, I didn't. Uh, well, kind of. It was it was kind of all right. But it was a bit a bit dull. I wouldn't really, wouldn't really recommend anyone watch it particularly. But um, Was that the last question or was that the first no, question? No, that was the first question. But I think we've already answered that. So the next question is, is what are we doing next time? Oh, yes. Um... Well, frankly, Hammer have let us down. Luckily, luckily, there is another great British horror studio we can turn to in our moment of distress. We're going to turn to Amicus. Yes. And now the screaming starts. Brilliant. Okay, well, that's good. Um, before we go, we've, we've had another email. Yes, yes. Uh, it's from Eddie again. Hi. So... Everybody else need to just kind of stop Eddie monopolising the emails and get their emails in and details of that, how to do that in a minute. But it says, obviously it's a few weeks ago, but it says, Happy New Year, Paul, Chris. Chris, Paul. Happy New Year, Eddie. Uh, just finished listening to your Omen podcast. Nice job. I've always had a soft spot for that movie, having seen it when I was about 19 and realising I used to pass the church in the film on my way to school in the 80s. Bishop's Park was a shortcut on my way to the worst secondary school in Fulham. I completely agree with your sentiments regarding the attempted murder of Damien scene. As a teenager, I was like, kill that little bastard. But now as a father of two primary school lads, it sickens me. And this is this would be something you'll be pleased about, Chris, because you were a bit worried about this. As a men mental health professional working privately and in the NHS, I have no problem with at all with your terminology of mental health states. I am vindicated. So you you, you're okay, you're let off. Um, I haven't heard of the film you are reviewing next, which is just done. Um, and don't worry, Eddie, I don't think you've missed anything. Um, but we'll tune in, in nevertheless. Any chance on the BBC Day of the Triffids? Keep up the good work, Eddie. So uh, can I say two things in response to this? Yep. Well, apart from thank you again for the email, Eddie. Um, so... You can watch The Quiet Ones if you haven't already on Netflix. It's free to view there. Yeah. So um, Don't bother. Well, Do something else. Um, although this podcast does make a lot more sense if you have seen it. Well, it does, yeah. But and Day of the Triffids, the BBC Day of the Triffids is an excellent we choice. We should definitely do that. It's an excellent choice. I think we should do that fairly soon. I agree. It's on the list. Brilliant. Okay, th thanks Eddie. And if, like Eddie, you would like your email read out on the show, then you can email us at, us at a very British horror at gmail.com uh, or contact us on Twitter at, a ver at very Brit Horror or on our Facebook page, which is uh, facebook.com forward slash a very British horror. 
So do leave comments, do tell us if you like what we're doing, do tell us if you like my ridiculous choices of music that I've been putting on the beginnings and ends of podcasts, or if you'd prefer the more traditional music, um, and anything else at all that you want to talk about. And if you want to praise my um, podcasting skills, please do that too. Yeah, oh, best. hang on, you're not supposed to say stuff like that, are you? No, no you best no. do that to yourself. Get, get, get in touch, get in touch uh, with your opinions about Phil. But if you do get in touch, you will, you will have your email read out. Otherwise, it's just going to be Eddie as this kind of... He's, gonna, he's almost going to become the, uh, the, the kind of uh, third podcaster. We should read Facebook comments out as well. We should do. But yeah. they have to be... Well, we will do. If, if people write good Facebook comments, we'll, we'll read them out. I think so. Let's add that yeah, to the and, 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 and any interesting tweets. Uh, yeah, but um, if you're a passionate defender of the quiet ones, we really want to hear from you. Yeah, because yeah we don't really like it, but if you, if you think it's brilliant, let us know why. Let's uh, wrap this up. Okay. We oh. really ought to say that when we do a mummy film, shouldn't we? Let's wrap this up. Yes, because puns <laughs> are the greatest. Right. Well... Until next time, I've been Chris Denton. And I'm still Paul Monk. Good night. Bye-bye.